Thank you for listening to Elohim Christian Church's podcast. We're a place where imperfect people worship and meet a perfect God. If this is your first time listening, we're located in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York City, and are led by pastors Carlos and Rebecca Medina. If you're looking for a place to worship and to know Jesus, we would love to meet you and see you in person. Find us online at www.elohimchurch.org so we can connect. And now, here's this week's message. How many ready for the teaching today? Would you join me by standing? And let's open about Bibles to 1st of Corinthians chapter 15. 1st of Corinthians chapter 15. It's a beautiful chapter where, the, where it's talked about the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection. 1st of Corinthians chapter 15 verses 12 through 19. We read God's word, starting verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless And so is your faith. But more than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him, but if but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruit of all of those who have fallen asleep. And the church says, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. We pray that it will minister to us. It would encourage us. I pray today that we would leave more encouraged about our faith than never before. I pray that your word would land in our heart, that it would bring increase to our faith today. And if some of us here are struggling in our faith, that this word would ratify the truth that we have come to know that Jesus is alive and well today. We pray in Jesus' name. The church says amen. You may be seated. Resurrection Sunday. We're talking about the power of the resurrection and the effects of the resurrection. So this is a great chapter. Uh, I love this chapter because... It is also a setup for unbelievers of the faith, for those who doubt. Uh, All that we would have to do is prove that Jesus did not resurrect from the grave, and it would be shown that our faith is futile. 
The Apostle Paul writes this chapter because there's a concern within the church at this point, the Corinthian church. Uh, They had a concern. In those times, it was not believed that there was life after death. They did not believe that there was life after death. And Paul is saying that the same gospel that they believed that raised Christ from the resurrection, that teaching that Jesus is alive, that they saw him, that they're being preached that Jesus resurrected, that same power and that same gospel will one day resurrect the Christian. They had a hard time because they did not believe in this resurrection. But Paul is telling them, if Jesus resurrected from the dead, you will also as well. The same power that resurrected Jesus will one day resurrect you. And he tells them, if if we're just Christians for this life that we're living, then, then we're wasting our time. But he reminds us that Jesus resurrected, and because Jesus resurrected, we are no longer in our sins. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ, there is hope for them. And Paul finishes this teaching by letting them know, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruit of all those that have fallen asleep. Because Jesus resurrected, one day you and I also will resurrect. The same power that resurrected Jesus, one day will resurrect you, resurrect me, and all those who have fallen asleep in Christ Jesus. And the Apostle Paul is affirming this with the church of Corinthians by saying, some of you even seen the resurrected Jesus. Some of you have experienced the resurrected Jesus. And that same power will change and transform your life. Today, I'd like to share with you on four thoughts. The resurrection is essential to all that we believe as Christians. Many have tried to discredit the resurrection, the proof of the resurrection, and what does this mean for us today? Our first point, the resurrection is essential to all that we believe as Christians. It is a fundamental doctrine for us as the church. Uh, Every Christian church believes in the resurrection of Jesus. It's a fundamental doctrine for us. Whether you've come from a Pentecostal church, a Presbyterian church, a Baptist church, you come from the Catholic church or a Methodist church, Episcopalian church, it, they all, we all have this foundational belief that Jesus resurrected from the grave. You see, the resurrection is proof of the power of God. In resurrecting Jesus from the grave, God reminds us of his absolute power and sovereignty over life and death. Uh, That Jesus is the giver of life. In fact, the psalmist said it this way, from with you is the fountain of life. From From with you is the fountain. He is the giver and he is the one that takes away. Job, in his hardship, tells his wife, The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. It's a reminder to us of the power of God. And because Jesus resurrected, there's proof that he is the power of God. In fact, John writes in John chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being 
that has come into being. In other words, he's saying he is the only one that can give life. He is the giver of life. And I remind you today that if you put your faith in Jesus, you have put your faith in the all-powerful one. That there is nothing impossible for him. He is the only one that has the power to bring what is dead to life again. And maybe you're here today and you're struggling in your faith and there's something that's dormant within you. There's something that needs life within you. There's something that needs to resurrect within you. I want to tell you that the power of resurrection is found in the life of Jesus. If you approach him this morning and say, Lord, I need life. My family needs life. My children, my home. In him you find all that you need for life and blessing. The resurrection is proof of the power of God. And the church says, because Jesus resurrected, we are not lost in our sins, and Jesus is our Savior. Unto the victory of Jesus on the cross, the whole human race was held in slavery by the fear of death. Until Jesus resurrected on the cross, we were all condemned to an eternal condemnation. I love that Hebrews says this in chapter 2, verse 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his de death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. It's a powerful verse that says we who were in, in our blood and in our flesh, uh, we were condemned, so he became blood and flesh to deliver us and to defeat the power of darkness that had us in condemnation. That's what Jesus did for us. Jesus comes and he destroys the yoke of death. That's why Paul writes, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's victory for us. Oh, we are reminded here because of the resurrection, there is redemption. There is life. We are not slaves to sin and slaves to death. No, Jesus has given us life. And as the Apostle Paul writes, now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are not lost in our sins, but because of the resurrection, we have life. We're reminded of this because Jesus resurrected. We're reminded that uh, there's power, is proof of the power of God, um, that we are not lost in our sins. Number three, because Jesus resurrected, all that we believe is the truth. Because Jesus resurrected, it proves that our faith is the only way. It is the truth. If Jesus did not resurrect, there would be no redemption. There would be no forgiveness. There would be no communion with the Father. There would be no hope. But because Jesus resurrected from the grave, this has to be the truth. And that's why there is redemption. We've been bought out of slavery. We are children of God. That's why there is forgiveness. Maybe you're battling with something and you think, man, who can forgive me of my past sins and hurt and shame? I want to tell you that Jesus can. He can forgive you. 
Because there is forgiveness, we can find ourselves in the presence of our heavenly Father. Jesus opens the door and we can come in and we can share with the heavenly Father. There is hope because Jesus is the absolute truth. You can put your trust in him. All that we believe is the truth. Maybe you're battling here today with what's truth, what's right. I want to tell you that the resurrection is the proof that Jesus is the truth. And the church says, because Jesus resurrected, eternity awaits us. It's an absolute promise. Because he lives, we will also live the same power that resurrected Jesus is going to resurrect us one day. Paul writes in Thessalonians, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Christ, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. There is a promise of eternity for us. This is not our end. This is not our last stop. But heaven awaits God's people. Eternity is promised to us through Christ Jesus. And the Bible teaches us that heaven is a place where the streets are gold and the sea is like glass and there's no more mourning and no more pain and there's no more suffering and no more sickness. No, it is an eternal blessing found only in Christ Jesus. And because Jesus resurrected we have a promise of eternity. And the church says. Amen. And you know what I love about 1 Corinthians chapter 15? It's an opportunity for somebody to discredit the faith if they could just discredit the resurrection. It's an opportunity for any atheist to discredit our faith if they can just discredit the resurrection. An author by the name of Josh McDowell, an author of many books, in his college years, he was an agnostic who used to laugh at the gospel. But after a challenge from his college friends, he dedicated time and effort to disprove the eternity of Christ Jesus and the resurrection. At the end of his findings, he is convinced that there's enough evidence that Jesus, who claimed to be the Son of God, he absolutely was, and he absolutely resurrected from the tomb. And after that, he wrote books, evidence that demands a verdict, more than a carpenter, the unshakable truth. Skeptics should consider Christianity, because he comes to this reality that Jesus resurrected from the tomb. Perhaps you're struggling in your faith. Our faith is not something that's mystical or emotional. I want to challenge you to dive into scripture, to dive into the history of the church so you can find the proof that Jesus did resurrect and he is the only way to the Father. And the church says. Amen. So we've talked, about, um, we've talked about the resurrection is essential to all that we believe as Christians. Number two. Many have tried to discredit the resurrection. It's an opportunity to, to discredit the faith and we could just discredit the resurrection. But no one has ever been able to discredit the resurrection in 2,000 years. So what did they do? They built theories. Theories, possibilities, things that could have happened to Jesus' body. So they built a few. One said, maybe Jesus wasn't really dead on the cross. And when he was put in the tomb, 
he woke up and he uh, was able to unwrap himself from the linen and move the rock that weighed over a thousand pounds after he had been whipped and hung on the cross for hours. It's a theory that they try to discredit. How silly is that to think that a man that had hung on a cross for hours and had been beaten, had been pierced in his side, how silly to think that the cool air of the tomb woke him up and he helped himself out the tomb. Others said this, the disciples must have moved the body of Christ. And they began to preach about the resurrected Jesus because they had hidden the body of Christ. But I don't think that many people would suffer torture, poverty, and even death for something they knew to be a lie. Now, some people will give their lives for something that is a lie, but they think it's the truth. That's different. To give your life up for something that you absolutely know is a lie doesn't make sense. It's a theory that they try to undermine the resurrection. Some say this. Some say that the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, they stole the body of Jesus because they were trying to make sure that he didn't resurrect. But when, they, when the disciples were preaching about Jesus and his resurrection, I'm sure that the Roman soldiers would have said, hey, guys, Look, here's Jesus' body. He didn't resurrect, but they couldn't because they did not steal the soldiers. Uh, they did not steal Jesus' body. Others said that the women went to the wrong tomb, and they went to an empty tomb. But when we read Mark chapter 15, it's clear that they knew where the tomb was, and the disciples also, without the women, ran to the tomb, and they knew exactly where Jesus had been buried. Theories. Maybes, trying to undermine the resurrection. Some say this, the disciples were so messed up that they saw hallucinations. They're, they're digging deep now. They saw hallucinations that the disciples, oh, there's Jesus, he resurrected. There's Jesus, he resurrected. They were so emotionally messed up. Hallucinations. But the Bible said that more than 500 people saw the resurrected Jesus. They all did not hallucinate. And then some say uh, that they, the disciples were impersonating Jesus, that they were walking around saying that they were Jesus. Um, they were walking around saying that they uh, were the ones, but the wounds would have shown differently. Um, their lives would have been different. They knew that Jesus had resurrected. So 2,000 years ago, no one has been able to undermine the resurrection. And today, no one can undermine the resurrection because Jesus is alive and well. He's alive and well. So, what proof, thank you, what proof do we have of the resurrection then? What proof do we have? What, what can we stand on? Those are theories that have tried to undermine uh, our faith and our belief and our doctrine. But what proof do we have? First, we have an empty tomb. It is undeniable that the tomb was empty. No one has been able to find the body of Jesus. The guards were standing there, and they needed to make up a story because Jesus had resurrected from the tomb. 
If the tomb wasn't empty, they would have never been able to preach in Jerusalem. But they stood up and they preached on the day of Pentecost about a resurrected Jesus because there was an eyewitness that the tomb was empty. And today we preach and stand on this very truth. It's proof of the resurrection. Number two, the conversion of the Apostle Paul is very instrumental. I love the conversion of the Apostle Paul. Paul, he was an advocate for the law. He was passionate about his belief in the Old Testament God. And he knew that this was the most important thing. And he was willing to punish anyone who believed something different. And one day, Paul, on his way to persecute the Christians because he hated them, on his way to Damascus with a permission of the, of the Roman government, and he was going there to persecute Christians, he finds himself with Jesus. And Jesus says, oh, why do you persecute me? And he finds himself with Christ, and he has a life-changing encounter. And if you read the story of the Apostle Paul, he goes to his hometown, and for a couple of years he dies into the Scriptures, and he doesn't even meet with too many of the disciples, and he comes to know of the resurrected Jesus through his word, and he has a life-changing experience, and he becomes the great Apostle Paul that stands for the resurrected Jesus. Why? He had an encounter with him. Maybe you're passionate about many things in this world, but Jesus hasn't been your passion yet. I want to encourage you to find yourself with the resurrected Jesus. And once you've had an encounter with him, he will become your greatest passion. He will become your greatest passion. It is proof of the resurrection. I also love the commitment of the disciples of the first century, the 12 disciples who came to know the resurrected Jesus. And those that followed afterwards, they had an encounter. They gave their lives for what they knew was the truth. They were passionate about the gospel. Why? Because they saw Jesus. They experienced the resurrected Jesus. They saw him on the cross, and they saw him resurrected. I love that seven days after the resurrection, John chapter 21, Jesus finds himself with the disciples at the shore. They had been fishing, and Jesus comes, and he tells them, come here, and they see that it's Jesus, and he has breakfast with them, and he looks at Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter tells him, you know all things, and Jesus says, go and feed my sheep. And they have a commitment. You know what I love about the disciples? You know, uh, Jesus had half-brothers. The same mother, different father. The scripture tells us this. And his brothers were not followers of his. In fact, the scriptures teach us that the half-brothers of Jesus called him crazy. The scriptures teach us that. But James, the half-brother of Jesus, he becomes the apostle, the leader in the Jerusalem church, in the scriptures we find James, the half-brother of Jesus, who used to mock Jesus' earthly ministry. Later, he becomes the great apostle, James. Why? Because he found the resurrected Jesus. Because he saw his brother as an earthly man and did not come to know him as Savior, and then he found him again as the resurrected Jesus, and it changed his life forever. 
Jude, also the half-brother of Jesus, also mocked Jesus' earthly ministry, but yet he writes the epistle Jude, the book right before Jerusalem. And he writes about, I felt compelled to write to you to contend for your faith. Why? Because he had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. I want to tell you today there's proof that Jesus resurrected even those who did not follow him in his earthly ministry. When they encountered the resurrected Jesus, it changed their lives forever. It is proof of the resurrection. Not only did Jesus, Jesus' disciples see him, but the Bible says that all that more than 500 people saw the resurrected Jesus. Many saw the resurrected Jesus. Well, we see that many walked with him and spoke with him, is what Scripture tells us. And today, this message of the empty tomb is still touching people's lives. We are here today, why? Not because we're caught up in a religion, not because we're caught up on something mystical, not because we're emotional people. No, we are here today because the Scriptures have taught us that Jesus is alive and well. And the message of the gospel is changing lives today. And this is the proof that Jesus resurrected 2,000 years ago. And the church says, you and I today were the proof that Jesus resurrected. So what does this mean for us today? What does this mean for us today? Because Jesus resurrected, he has to be the truth. He has to be the truth. Uh, there, there is a great story in John chapter 8 that I love. Jesus was having a discussion with Jews, and the Jews uh, tell him, you know, truly I say to you, the Jews uh, question his authority. They question his, his authority. And he tells them, truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And this meant something. It was significant to them. He was telling them, I am the truth. Before Abraham was, I am. Now, the Jews of those times, they understood what Jesus was saying by I am. They understood that he was using the same words that spoke to Moses on the mountain in Exodus chapter 3 from the burning bush when Moses asked uh, God, who would I say is sending me to deliver the Israelites? Uh, he said, I am who I am. I am is sending you. Now, Jesus is saying, I am before Abraham. And he looks and he's telling them, I am the sovereign God, the God of the past, the present, and the future. And the same God that delivered the Israelites from captivity is the same one that wants to deliver you from your sin and your shame here today. He's telling them, I am the truth. And I want to deliver you today. They were looking for someone to deliver them from Roman captivity. And Jesus stands up and he says, I am. I am exactly what you need. I am the truth. Perhaps there's someone here today that you're struggling and you feel captivity in your life. I want to let you know that the only one that can break the bondage of sin uh, is Jesus. I want to let you know today that the great I am is exactly who you need him to be in your life today. And he goes into this declaration of I am's. And he reminds us that he is the bread of life. 
He who comes to me shall never be hungry. He becomes anything that we need him to be in this life. He says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the light of the world. People who are lost in darkness, lost in their sin, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the door. There's no other way. He is the only way. Why? Because today he is alive and well. If you look for Buddha, you will find his tomb. Uh, if you look for Confucius, you will find his tomb. If you look for Muhammad, you will find his tomb. But Jesus' tomb is empty today. He is the only way. Jesus makes these declarations and he says, I am the true vine Strength comes to you because of your connection to me. I will help you and lead you in everything that you need in life. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd that will lead you and guide you in what is best for you. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. It's a statement that claims that he is the owner and the source of all life. And in him, we can put our trust. And then Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. When Jesus makes this declaration, I am, he's letting the world know, whatever you need me to be for you, I can be that for you, for I am alive and well, and there's none other like me. So what does this mean for us today as we celebrate this resurrection that Jesus is the absolute truth? What does it mean for us today what does it mean for you and me today? Because Jesus resurrected, we should spend our lives coming to know him. Coming to know him. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him even unto death. That you would know him, that we would spend our lives coming to know Jesus there's so many things that this world offers, and many of them are good things that we can get involved in and engage and enjoy. But our greatest passion should be to come to know Jesus. He is the way. And some will say, well, I want to do that. How do I do that? You come to know him through the word. He is the word of God. He was there in the beginning. The Bible teaches us faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. How do you come to know him better? Come to know him through life experiences. You come to know him through the word and come to know him through life experiences. Paul, on his road to Damascus, he had an encounter that changed his life forever. I want to let you know that the resurrected Jesus wants to have an encounter with you that will change your life forever. Come to know him through experiences and let him speak into your life and come to know him through others. There are people here today that have come to know Jesus throughout life and seasons, and their faith can be an encouragement to you. God has restored their families. He can restore your families. God has liberated us, and he can liberate you. Come to know him through others as well. And because Jesus resurrected, it means that one day he will come again, and we will be found with him the Bible says in John chapter 14, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If there were not so, would I have told you that I go there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. 
that you may also be where I am. Because Jesus resurrected, he will come again. And because Jesus resurrected, we can now have a new life found only in him. A new life found only in him. As I close our teaching here today, I want to encourage you to enjoy a life in a resurrected Christ. A life in a resurrected Christ. Because Jesus resurrected, he has to be the truth. There's no other way. Maybe you're battling here today with what's truth and what's not. I want to let you know that Jesus, he is the truth. Uh, because Jesus resurrected, we should spend our lives coming to know him. He's coming again, and let us enjoy this life in Christ. Perhaps you're here today, and you're struggling with your faith, thinking, am I worthy of this? Am I worthy of a walk with Christ? Am I worthy of such a walk with a holy God? You know what I love about the resurrected Jesus? After his resurrection, he tells the ladies at the tomb, tell the disciples, I'll meet them back at the hometown. And I love that he says, tell the disciples and Peter. You know, and I love that he does this. Why? Because just three days ago, Peter had denied him. And he wanted Peter to know, hey, it's going to be okay. I still have a purpose with you. I'm still going to do something great and mighty in your life. I still have a plan with you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Peter, let's meet up because I want to tell you that I have a purpose with you. Go feed my sheep. Maybe you're here today and you feel like I'm, I'm struggling. I, I want to tell you that. Could you hear the words of Jesus calling you by name, saying, I want to meet up with you. Let's meet up in the hometown. I have a purpose with your life. There is no one that is too far from God that they cannot meet up with the resurrected Jesus. And the church says, if you receive the teaching, can you give the Lord a hand clap? Would you join us by standing this morning? Maybe you're here today and you feel like, that's me. I feel far from God. I want to tell you that today he calls you by name. I want to let you know that he has a, a, a purpose with your life, a purpose with your home, a, a purpose with your family. Can you hear him drawing closer to you? I want to let you know if you're looking for something to put your faith in, to put your energy into, something to live for, Jesus, he is the answer. The resurrection is essential to all that we believe. People have tried to discredit it by creating theories. But at the end of it all, there's still an empty tomb. There's proof of the resurrection. The empty tomb, the faith of Paul, the life of the disciples. There's proof of the resurrection. More than 500 saw him. There's proof of the resurrection. You and I 
we are proof of the resurrection. We can place our faith in Him. So what should we do? What should we do? Today, I remind you that He is the truth and we should spend our lives coming to know Him. Come to know Him through His Word. Come to know Him through experiences. Come to know Him through other people. I remind you, this is not the last stop. He will come again and He will lift the church up. And only those that are found in Him, only those that have said, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, have a promise of eternity. While we are here this morning, maybe the Lord is knocking at the door of your heart and saying, hey, I want to abide with you. I am real and I want to do something real in you. And the Lord is speaking to you as we sing this next song. Would you be so bold as to accompany us here at the altar? And we want to say a prayer with you. A prayer that will change your life forever. A prayer that would assure that your future days are better than your past days. A life of purpose. A life of focus. A life of blessing. Maybe you're here today and you feel like, uh, I feel like I'm a lost cause. Could you hear him calling you by name and saying, I want to meet with you. I got something special I want to do in your life. If that is you, would you be so bold as we sing this song? Would you come forward and say, I want to receive Jesus as my personal Savior. And I promise you that your life will never be the same again. And the church says, Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it blesses and encourages your life.